Well, Brother Jamie, come on up. You may be seated. Reverend Jamie Rogers, uh, he is your BCM director at the University of South Carolina. He'll introduce more of himself than I can. And a friend from long way back, uh, Reverend, he was pastor at Reds Branch Baptist Church, and uh, he still pastors all these teenagers and 20-something, so uh, I'm going to give him the time, obviously, to preach this morning. But aren't you glad that we serve the Lord Jesus Christ? Yeah. The Bible says there is no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved. Amen? Let's enjoy today. Let's welcome, I give uh, Brother Jamie a Town Creek welcome this morning. Thank you, man. Well, so good to see you guys, and I'm glad to be able to come, and I think it's on. I, I'm on, I, I believe, both both ways, both uh, packs uh, this morning, and uh, it's so good to be with you guys. Good to be back in Aiken, and uh, we started our ministry, I, I guess our, our full-time pastoral ministry, we started here um, across town, um, where, where we, man, we thought we were living downtown uh, on the other side, on the east side of Aiken, and, uh, but it, it was good to be able to come back. It's always good. My wife and I actually met. Um, through, uh, through what was called then, for all of you old folks like me, right? Uh, if you are 40 years older, older, you don't know what BCM is. You know what BSU is if you uh, spend any time around a college campus. So we met um, at the Baptist Student Union at USC Aiken. And uh, so this past summer, we actually, around our anniversary time, uh, this was actually my idea, Clint. Like, you'll be, you'll be impressed uh, with, with me. I said, hey, let's take all of our children. We have four children. I've got two of them down here. Annabeth and Ruthie are, are with me. They are 14 and our 12-year-old. Uh, we have a 16-year-old son, and we have a, a daughter who is almost 10. And uh, she, she acts like she's 30. And, uh, so, but she's the one that keeps us going and uh, keeps us alive and, and, uh, and all, always running around. But I said, hey, it's our anniversary. Let's take our kids back to USC Aiken like to the place on campus where we met for the very first time. And, uh, and so now that's been almost 22 years ago. And uh, God has been faithful. He has been good. He always has been, always will be. Uh, I am sure of that. And, uh, and so, but it's always good to be able to come back uh, to this town that actually means so much to us in our ministry. And uh, we had another little short stint at a church here in Aiken before uh, God led us away. And uh, so, th so this morning, Clint asked me to come and uh, just to share about what God has been doing um, on the campus at USC in Columbia. Um, I, I am honored, actually, to be uh, a recipient of you guys and your, your generosity uh, and your giving to God's kingdom. Um, I am actually an employee of the South Carolina Baptist Convention. Um, I don't work in their building. I actually don't like going to their building that much. Please don't tell my bosses that because uh, we do have to go every now and again uh, because, because it takes me away from, from the missions field that God has called me to. And so all around South Carolina, um, there, are, there are these Baptist ministries that we call today Baptist Collegiate Ministry. And uh, there, are, there are Baptist Collegiate Ministries. There's, a, there's one here at actually USC Aiken. Um, the, 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 the lady who runs that is not a full-time paid employee like the rest of us are. And, uh, but all of these Baptist ministries, so at Lander, at Clemson, I don't like to say that word and, uh, because, I, because I do work in Columbia. And I'm a Gamecock fan too. And so, so y'all know, like, you, you know to pray for me, right? Because, I mean, I, I, I experience a lot of heartache uh, when it comes to our, our sports teams for sure. And, uh, but there, there's a BCM at Clemson, there's a BCM at all of the campuses in Spartanburg, there's one at Winthrop, uh, there is one at Francis Marion, there's one at the College of Charleston in the Citadel, uh, there is one at Coastal Carolina, and then, and then we are, the I think, the eighth one that there are full-time uh, employees at, at the University of South Carolina. And, uh, and, of course, our campus is bigger than any other campus in the state, 
And, uh, and so I'll share a little bit about this morning, about the need. But the way that we actually are able to be there is because of churches just like Town Creek. Uh, that you, you guys, when you take up your offering here, uh, this is why this is so important, right? To give and, and to, to just make sure you're, uh, you're using your tithe and you're glorifying the Lord by giving your tithes and your offerings. Uh, because God actually allows us to be able to do ministry because of your generosity. And uh, when you give money to the South Carolina Baptist Convention, uh, that money is then dispersed. And we get just a little bit, but, uh, but what we get allows us to do some of the ministry that I'm going to talk about uh, this morning. And so it's my pleasure to be able to do that. Uh, if you've got your Bible, if you've got a copy of God's Word, I, 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 I understand there's probably one in your pew uh, in front of you. You can actually turn that with me to the New Testament uh, portion of the Bible. If you're here and you are not familiar with the Bible, uh, the New Testament portion of the Bible is the last third of your Bible. And, uh, and I'm going to begin this morning in the first book of that, of that section that we call the New Testament, the book called Matthew, the Gospel um, of Matthew. And, uh, and so we're going to look there in Matthew chapter 9. Um, and if, once again, if you're not familiar with the Bible, and I, I don't want to assume that everybody just knows what we're doing. I think sometimes in our churches, right, we just sort of just say, well, everybody knows how to do this. Well, uh, I, I work on a campus where not everybody uh, owns a Bible or not everybody has seen a Bible. So we're going to be in chapter 9. That's the big number on your page is the chapter number. And then there are a lot of smaller numbers right uh, underneath the chapter headings. And so those are the verse numbers. Um, I'm going to begin uh, here in just a second in Matthew chapter 9. Um, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 35 uh, whenever, I, whenever I get there. So you can, you can just, that, that way you can find that and uh, you can know where, where we are. And so uh, one, one of the things that's, uh, that's near and dear to my heart, and, I, and I've, been, I've, been, I've been thinking this for a long time now, uh, before I came back to South Carolina, we had actually gone to New York, uh, and we lived uh, on Long Island for five years as a church planning missionary there uh, with our family. And so what I'm talking about today uh, is not something that I have theorized about. It is what God has shown me from His Word, uh, especially when it comes to reaching people who are outside of the church. Um, I, I remember uh, years ago, I can't even remember, remember what city I was in, uh, but we, we, were, we, were, uh, we were at a Baptist 21 uh, meeting, Clint. Clint would know what that is. The rest of y'all are like, I have no clue. That's fine, that's fine, so you don't have to know that. And, uh, but we were in a meeting of young leaders in the Southern Baptist Convention. And, and I remember Al Moeller, and some of y'all, you, you guys know who Al Moeller is. He's the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. It's one of our other seminaries. It's not the best one. The best one Southeastern. That's where I went. And, uh, and so, uh, but, but Al Moeller is the president there. You guys have probably heard him on Fox News or CNN. He's, all, you know, he's called in to talk about uh, political discourse. Uh, well-spoken guy. He's pretty smart. Like, reads like four books a day. You know, that kind of guy. And uh, that, that make you sick, but I, but I think that's true, actually, from what I hear. I've heard uh, that he has actually read two books by the time most people wake up in the morning. I don't know how that's possible. I love to read, and it takes me about three months to finish a good, good, good-sized book. And, uh, but I, but I, I keep plugging away because uh, we have four children, right? So I don't get a chance to read much, but I, when, I, when I get a chance, I do. But I remember we were at this meeting with all these young pastors, and we were talking about this, uh, this, this issue in the Southern Baptist Convention of, of, uh, of baptism numbers uh, plummeting, going, going, going down. And, uh, and so our baptism numbers are actually lower than they were in the 50s when the population in America was actually half of what it is today. And, and I remember Al Mohler, like he said something in that meeting, um, and I think this is so important for all of us. Um, he said this, I, I, I'll never, I hope I don't ever, ever forget it. 
And uh, he, he said this, he says, we, we are about to find out in the Southern Baptist Convention if we can really reach lost people or not. Can we reach people by that? He meant, can we reach people who are outside of our, of our church buildings? Um, who, who aren't going to come into our buildings, how, how are we going to reach them? And, and, he, and he said this, he said, the reason why our baptism numbers were higher in the 50s than they are today, he said, we really have never been good at reaching people outside uh, of the church. He said, we've, we've done a great job of, of, of reaching and telling our children about Jesus and how they can find eternal life through him. Uh, but he says, we've never really been good at doing that with people who did not grow up in our churches. And he said, we're about to find out if we can do that or not. And uh, if, if, if we are going to survive. Well, I, I quite honestly, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an employee, like I said, of the South Carolina Baptist Convention, and, which means I'm a part of the Southern Baptist Convention. I, I, love, I love the Baptist Convention. I'm a Baptist by choice. I'm a Baptist by birth. And, uh, but, but now that I know better, I actually am a Baptist by choice. But I could care less whether the Southern Baptist Convention can, continues to be or not. God doesn't really need us. He just needs the church to be the church. And, and that's my heart, and I, I know that's your pastor's heart, and that should be your heart as well. Uh, God is not after uh, making sure that uh, the Southern Baptist Convention lives into perpetuity. Um, he just wants to make sure that his kingdom, and he will make sure that his kingdom grows and that it advances all over the place. And if that's going to happen, how is it going to happen? And I want to show you this morning how Jesus reached people outside of the kingdom. How did he reach people um, outside of, of what we would call of faith today. Now, now listen, it's very clear. Uh, you should know this. If you don't know this, uh, that Jesus, uh, this is at his heartbeat. Um, in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And he says, When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will then be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, which, by the way, that's us. Man, if you're in America, when Jesus said that, uh, that was us. Like, he was talking about, man, we were the uttermost part. Nobody even knew we, were ex we existed until Christopher Columbus found us, right? And so, uh, so, so here we are. Like, now the gospel has come to us, and, and praise the Lord, the gospel is, I'm going to share with you, going all over the world this morning. Uh, and, and, and God is doing it uh, by, by putting missionaries on campuses uh, all, all, around, all around South Carolina in our country. Um, why, 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 why aren't we reaching people outside of the kingdom? Why aren't we reaching people outside of our churches? I, I think there are three reasons. I think there are three primary reasons. I, I think number one, if you just want to know the honest truth, it's hard. Uh, man, it's hard reaching people outside uh, of our churches. Um, I, I, I work on a campus where um, I've got 18, 19, 20, 21, and 22-year-olds if they were like me. I, I was a fifth-year senior um, I, I always tell people, I redshirted academically my first year while I was in college, so it took me five years. Now they call that super senior. I didn't know I, didn't know I was super. Um, I, I know the government thought I was super because that meant extra uh, student loans that I had to pay back because uh, I was there an extra year. Uh, but, but so, so now 18 to 22-year-olds, most of them are healthy physically. They're not healthy mentally. Um, as a matter of fact, um, somewhere around uh, uh, almost over a third of college students say they have been uh, depressed to the point in the last year um, of where they can't even hardly go to, to class. And uh, they don't want to get up in the morning. And so, so they're, they're, they're not healthy mentally, but they are healthy uh, physically. And, uh, and for the most part, like they're looking, every, I think everybody's looking for life. Um, isn't that why you're here? Isn't that why you came to the Lord? Uh, if you're here this morning, you're not normally here at Town Creek. You probably came in here going, 
man, I, I hear something that Jesus might bring me life, and you're here. So I do know that students are looking for life. They're just not, they don't think they're going to find it at the Baptist Collegiate Ministry Building. I can assure you um, uh, of that, although God, God is bringing them uh, to us, and, and we, we are thankful for that. But it's hard work, man. It is hard reaching people outside uh, uh, of our churches. Um, like I said, I work on a campus, and, and most of these students aren't thinking, man, how can I go find somebody who can tell me about Jesus today, right? And uh, so how in the world do we do that? I'm going to share with you uh, how, how Jesus did that and, and, and how, how what, we have, what we've been learning. No, number two, it's hard, and the reason why we don't do it is because it takes time to really reach people who don't know Jesus. Um, I mean, let, let's, let's face it, right? If most people wanted to know about Jesus, they would come here this morning, right? Uh, hey, I, I just want to let y'all know, as I was driving into Aiken this morning, and the stats bear this out, did y'all know this? That 80% of Aiken County this morning, in the, in the heart of what the culture calls the Bible Belt, 80% of the people around us will not be in a church this morning, this year, next year, or that were they in church the year before that. 80%, 80%. And I'm just here to tell you, reaching those people takes time. Uh, we live in a culture today where not everybody agrees uh, about our, with, with our theological premises, right? And, uh, and so, so if you encounter the average person um, at the dying Aiken Mall, right, I think it's actually, it might be actually dead. It, it's, it's, no, it's dead now. It, it, it had been dead for a long time, but they bury it finally. And, uh, and so I think they're building something new over there. So if you were to encounter the average person, right, uh, uh, at Walmart, at Walmart, uh, right, right, right across Whiskey Road or on the north side now, I know there's one uh, over there, um, they, they do not believe what you believe uh, about the Bible, they don't believe what you believe about God, and uh, they don't agree with you, uh, they definitely don't agree with you if they even do believe it, uh, the, the average person in Aiken County. And, uh, and so, so what we used to do, right, we used to just go up to somebody in the 1950s and 1960s and hand them a track. And, and, man, they kind of agreed with us, and they were just waiting on somebody to tell them that's not where people are today. And so it takes a lot of time uh, to get a person from, hey, let, let me build a relationship with you to now let me share with you about Jesus and what he's done to me. It takes that person a good, good while because they're farther away than where they used to be uh, when it comes to them trusting and, and knowing Jesus. Number three, why don't we reach the people outside of our churches? You want to know the honest truth? The honest truth is because it gets messy. Man, it's messy. It is messy uh, dealing with people. Hey, let, let's just be honest. It's messy dealing with each other, right? I, I mean, we're the ones who have been saved and who are being cleaned up by Jesus, but we aren't there yet, right? And so it's messy with us. So you can imagine, right, trying to reach people who are outside of the walls of Town Creek or any other church in Aiken County this morning. And, and they, they don't have the, the leading and the, uh, the, the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in their life. Man, that gets messy. And, uh, and so I, I, think, I think those reasons keep us from actually trying to engage the world. Uh, a lot of churches don't want to do it. They, they say they want to do it. Like if, if I were to go and talk to the average pulpit committee in, in Aiken County, they would probably say, yeah, we want to reach lost people. But what they mean is, is we want to have new people come in that look like us and act like us. Uh, we don't want them messing up the building. We don't want them messing up our van and... Uh, we don't want them uh, causing a, a, a stir in, in what we're doing. And, and I'm just here to tell you, man, if, we, if you guys get serious about reaching lost people, it gets messy. Messy, messy, messy. And uh, so I want to encourage you to press into that. Uh, 
go before the Lord and say, God, would, would you help me to see? So what I want to do today is I want to show you how Jesus did that. And, and I want to talk to you about how, like, what, what he's, how he's used this in, in my own life and, uh, and how he's using it right now on our campus. Uh, some great, neat things are, are happening. Even this week, man, we had some neat, 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 great conversations that God allowed us to have uh, uh, this morning. And so it really is not that hard, um, but, but, but we, we, allow, we allow things to, to get in the way. And so I want to show you the example of Jesus, and I'm going to put my old man goggles on here this morning. My students laugh at me when I do this, and I, I get mad. I'm like, I didn't do this a year ago, but now I have to do it. And, uh, and so here we go. Matthew chapter 9, look at verse 35. The Bible says this about Jesus, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages. How, how, many, how many cities and villages? All of them. Yeah, he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't stay away from some, right? And said, oh, we can't go there. We, we'll go here. Like, they got a good TJ Maxx over there, right? We'll go, we'll go here. He went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. He was healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, the Bible said he had compassion for them. We'll talk about this just a little bit. He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Three, three things I want to show you that Jesus did in this passage that we, that we need to do even, even ourselves, right? That uh, If we're going to read, listen, God's called us. Tell Creek, God hasn't just called me and he hasn't just called your staff to go out and be sharing uh, the gospel with, with people who don't know Jesus. He's called you. If you are a follower of Jesus, he has gifted you and he's empowered you to be able to do what he's called you to do. You can do it. I, I, I always, like, when I, I love getting together with pastors and, and this is one of the things I, I love to say is, man, if the church ever gets this, Satan is in trouble. If the church ever gets the fact that God has called you to actually be sharing the gospel with people who don't know him. Uh, by, by the way, uh, you know, Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail against you. That means the church is supposed to be pressing forward. I, I always assumed and, and kind of interpreted that passage to mean, man, we're supposed to be strong here. Like, right, we're supposed to, to, to build our wall here and so that when Satan attacks us that we can withstand. Hey, listen, I, this is what Jesus says. He says, the gates of hell won't be able to prevail against us. That means we're on the attack. That means we're on the move. And that we're going after the people. We're, we're, we're on offense. We're not on defense. Listen, the church ain't on defense. Nowhere in the world is the church on defense. Now, I, I, I've, been, I've been seeing uh, all, all, these, all these posts on social media about uh, the, 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 the situations in China. And I, I'm here to tell you, they, they really are real. They're serious. I've got friends in China that I, I spend time with every week on, on Zoom uh, doing Bible study. And uh, I, 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 listen, listen, I want you to know the church is not dying in China. Like, God is not hurting in China. And uh, there are plenty of people. There are more Christians in China than there are in America. Did y'all know that? And uh, there are just way more people in China. So the church looks small there. Uh, but there are more believers there than there are here. So what, what does it take? What does it take? Number, number one, you ready? You ready to write this down? You ready to put this in your heart? Listen, if we're going to reach people outside of our churches, number, the first thing we're going to have to do is we're going to have to start spending time with people who don't know Jesus. Spending time with people who don't know Jesus. Where was Jesus 
Well, he wasn't sitting in a synagogue waiting on people to come to him, was he? He did go to the synagogue, and I think that's important for us, and it's important to be here, right, to, to be encouraged. It's part of what, what I'm even here to do today is to challenge you and to, to encourage you and, and hopefully to equip you to, to, to be able to do what God has, has called you to do. But if we're going to reach people who are outside of the church and outside of God's kingdom, we are going to have to get it through our, our hearts and our heads that we have got to start spending time with people who don't know Jesus. What did Jesus do? He was out. Like, he went out. Jesus wasn't afraid of the world. He wasn't afraid of the culture. His culture, by the way, crucified him. He wasn't afraid of them. Uh, it, it's almost as if uh, in America, like, we, we have retreated into our bomb shelters because we're so afraid of how evil and wicked the culture is. Listen, our culture is evil. Our culture is wicked. But it doesn't mean we retreat. Listen, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Do we believe that? Then why in the world would we stay away and retreat and run and hide in our little conclaves of our Christian subculture? Listen, let's get on the offense and let's begin going out in our culture and actually believing that what the Bible says about our culture. Listen, the Bible says this. It says, for all have sinned fall short of the glory of God. And, and sometimes we act as if, like we don't expect them to be sinful and sinners. And then when they do act like sinners and sin, like we, you know, we talk about cancel culture, but man, the church is as guilty of cancel culture as anybody is. Oh, you don't say the right things about Jesus, I, I, can't, I can't be with you. Listen, when the Bible has told us that's what they're going to do, you and I have got to begin seeing our whole life as an opportunity of being able to spend time with people who don't know Jesus. And if we are going to see them reach, listen, it's not because we're going to stand on the street corner, praise the Lord for people who do. That's just not what God has called me to do, to say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. We're going to have to get in their lives and say, let me show you what Jesus has done for me. Because you know what? I, 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 I figured this out when I first went back, when I first went to USC uh, three, three, a little over three years ago. Um, Clint, I did this series about apologetics. You know, when I was in school, man, you know, that was a, like a, apologetics was all it was, all the rage. Like, we just wanted to know how you could know the Bible was trustworthy. And, you know, we, we wanted to talk about all those kind of things. Students today aren't asking that question. And by the way, people in our culture aren't asking that question anymore either. You know what they want to know? They want to know, does your faith work? Does Jesus work for you? How will they know that Jesus works for us if we aren't around them and with them, being able to show them that, yes, man, Jesus has made all. I was thinking this last night. If you're here this morning, listen, I'm going to give you an opportunity to really trust Jesus this morning. But I want you to know, I was just thinking last night, and I, I've been reading in my, in my Bible study. I'm going through the book of Psalms, and, and, uh, and, and so it, it says this. It says, like, in the last few Psalms I've been reading, it says this to begin, praise the Lord. I'm, I, want, I want to know, like, I'm here, God, I'm doing this. I wrote it down, like, my action step is to praise Jesus. My life is different. Like, my life is better because of Jesus. Jesus didn't come to make my life better. He came to save me because I'm a sinner, and, uh, and I was deserving of hell. Um, that's why he came, but I'm here to tell you uh, the eternal life that we sing and that we, we preach about, that's not just waiting on us after we get to heaven. Like, that's something that we can experience right here and right now. Jesus has brought me life, and he will do the same thing for you. For us to be able to tell people that we've got to get around them right right Jesus went to every city he went to every village and what was he doing man he was healing 
Uh, he was teaching. He was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. He was healing every disease and every affliction. Can you imagine how messy that had to have been? Uh, I, 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 mean, I, I just know, like, even as a pastor here in South Carolina, one of the things I would do is I, I would go into nursing homes and I praise the Lord for nursing facilities, but sometimes even here in America in 2022, those can be kind of scary places, right? Uh, it, it, the children definitely know what I mean here, right? You, you take your child into a nursing home, there are sounds that you hear, there are, there are smells that you, you smell that you don't, you don't get anywhere else, and man, sometimes that can be intimidating. I, I remember even one, one day I was a pastor and I was walking in, and it just hit me like the Holy Spirit said, as you're walking down this hallway, you know how they sit people in, in the hallway? And I remember the Holy Spirit just said, you need to touch everybody that you walk by on this hallway. And I, I thought, I'm not touching. Like, I don't want to touch anybody. But, but, but immediately, like, my mind went to the Scriptures when the Holy Spirit told me that because Jesus was constantly touching people, right? Touching them, touching their eyes to give them sight. You know, touching their, their body and bringing them life. I, I just remember thinking about that. I, I think about Jesus 2,000 years ago. Man, what in the world did he encounter when he went to every city and every village teaching and preaching and then healing every disease and every affliction? Can you imagine how messy that was? Why did he do it? He did it because that's where people were that needed to hear about the kingdom. They were in the cities, they were in the villages, and they were hurting. They were hurting. You and I are going to have to learn from Jesus, and we're going to have to start spending time with people who don't know Him. Can I just show you what this looks like? Um, I, I, I've, got a, I've got a Muslim friend, and uh, he is here at USC. Um, there are about 2,000 international students at the University of South Carolina. Of the 35,000 that are there, 2,000 of them are from other countries. And uh, yeah, I, I celebrate that. I mean, I, I do, I do. Um, I, I'm a person, and uh, this is not a political statement at all, but I'm like, bring the world here, and I will share the gospel with them. And uh, so God has brought the world, and by the way, of the 2,000 students that are at USC that are from other countries, um, most of them, the top 10 countries that are represented by those students, are all from places where it's illegal to be a Christian in their country. Like you can't go, so places like China, right? China. Um, there are 700 Chinese students at USC. Of the 2,000, 700 of them are from China. And, and I, I, wanna, I just want to say this, like a couple years ago, this is why we are on campus, this is why the South Carolina Baptist Convention puts our building, like we're right on the campus at USC. If, if you know where, if you know anything about the campus at USC, I don't know how many of y'all went to USC or have been downtown Columbia, but we are on Main Street. We are a block and a half from the world-famous Horseshoe. And uh, so it's really cool. Like I get out of my office and I walk straight to the Horseshoe and I pray over the heart of our campus. And I, I remember one day, just a couple of years ago, we had a student from China come into our, our building before COVID. And, uh, and, and he literally said these words. Like, I, I, I promise I'm not exaggerating. This is not preacher-like hyperbole, okay? Um, this is the literal fact of what he said. He walked into our building. We were having a conversation with him. And then he said, can somebody tell me about Jesus? Like my, when I picked up my jaw, right, and put it back on my face, I said, absolutely we can. Come into my office and let's, let's talk. Let's chat. And, and, and then, and then, and then Jung Hwa, about seven months after that, 
prayed to receive Christ as his Savior and his Lord. I baptized him. He just went back to China. I, I, every, every, uh, every Thursday, uh, every Thursday morning, it's 9 o'clock my time, it's 10 o'clock his time. And 9 o'clock in the morning my time, 10 o'clock his time at night. And we sit down and we do a Bible study that we were already doing over Zoom. Praise the Lord that God is allowed. I, I, I actually praise the Lord in some ways that God allowed COVID to take place. And uh, I know this is going to be crazy. And, uh, but it's because of COVID that we learned that I can do Zoom Bible studies with him. And, uh, and then, um, so now we have learned that he can go back to China and we can still do the same thing that we were doing when he was in Lexington and I was in, I was in, in downtown Columbia. So God is growing, growing Jinghua. He actually has now brought another Chinese person in from China to join our Bible studies. And, uh, and a couple of weeks ago, he was actually telling me, he said, Jamie, w- would you pray for me because our government has started cracking down. Um, on Christian activity in our country pretty heavily. And man, my heart was broken. And uh, who, who am I to, to talk about persecution with somebody who the hardest thing I have to do is to have an 18-year-old look at me and roll their eyes because I'm trying to tell them about Jesus. And uh, when, when here this guy is. There's another guy who's from Pakistan. Um, he's not a believer, and uh, his name is Hassan. And, uh, but Hassan has become a good friend of mine. As a matter of fact, I brought him fishing uh, just last year, right, right down the road from here. And a good, uh, my, my, my uncle, through my, through my wife, uh, he has a pond, and I took him fishing. And, man, we sat out there and had some spicy uh, chicken rolls that his wife had made with him. And uh, Hassan has not become a believer, but every chance we get, we spend time together. I try to talk about Jesus as much as I can to ask him questions about Jesus. Because, because listen, if we can get people talking about Jesus, here's what he says, right? He says, if I be lifted up, what will he do? He will draw all men to himself. So we've, just been, we've been sharing the gospel with Hassan and his family. Uh, we have them over on holidays and those kind of things. It, it, it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a privilege from the Lord that we get a chance to do this. Just this past Tuesday night, I had a 21-year-old Chinese student who's a junior at USC um, started asking me questions about Jesus. And here's what he said. He said this three times in my conversation. And so finally, I cut it off and I said, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm not listening to this anymore. So he, he's been reading the Bible. Somebody had given him a Bible. We, we take students, uh, we take international students, we give them opportunity every Thursday night. We partner with local churches to come in and help us do this. But we offer rides to Walmart because a lot of our international students just don't have vehicles. And so in, in Columbia from the campus, man, it's a, it's a walk downhill uh, to get to a grocery store. And it's a pretty good walk to go to Five Points from, from, from our, the heart of our campus. So then, you know, when you go down the hill, guess what you have to do? You have to come back up, right? And I don't know if y'all know this or not, but Columbia is the hottest place on earth in the summer. So we started offering, uh, we started offering rides to Walmart and uh, to be able to take students that way they can get whatever they need. So one of these students from China started taking us up on our offer to, to take rides. And, and uh, uh, Clint Steve Rorlack, uh, who a, who's a, works at the South Carolina Baptist Convention, uh, was one of the partners who took him and then gave him a Mandarin Bible, a Bible in Mandarin. And he started reading it. He asked me some questions about it the other night, and I said, well, I said, Aiden, if you have more questions, like, why don't you and I just start sitting down every week, and you just start reading through us, and you need to read the Gospel of John, and just start reading the Gospel of John, and I, I know James, and I, but, but I, I just said the Gospel of John, and I said, man, why don't you just start reading that, and just write down your questions, whatever they are. I said, I don't care how big or how little it is, like, whatever your question, just bring it to me, and we'll start. And he told me three times, he said, but I'm not a follower of Jesus, I'm not a follower of Jesus. 
He said, I, I'm not a follower. I said, listen, I, I'm your friend whether you follow Jesus or not. And this is what we have to get over, right? Because sometimes we share the gospel. We're like, man, I've been spending time with this person, and they haven't trusted Jesus. I've shared Jesus with them. Listen, we got to be their real friend. And I told Aiden, I said, Aiden, I'm your friend. I'm not here uh, to, to cause you to trust in Jesus or not. And I'm really not. The Holy Spirit does that. I said, I just, I'll answer any question that you have. And then finally, after the third time, he told me, I'm not a follower of Jesus yet. I just, this is the boldness that sometimes kicks into me. I said, you will be. You will be. I, I hope I didn't scare him away when I said that. But Town Creek, I say all that to say this. Listen. You and I have got to start spending time with people. Your house, your apartment, wherever it is that you live, God gave you that, and it's one of the best tools that you will ever be given in order to spend time with people who don't know Jesus. Um, I, I would just encourage you to, to begin. I, I, actually, let me, let me say the second thing, and then I'll, I'll talk to you about this here in just a second. What else did Jesus do? Um, not only did he spend time with people um, who didn't know him, um, but then we have to see those people. What does it say right in verse 36? It says when he, what's the word? When he saw the crowd. You see that? He saw them. What's it going to take for us to reach people outside of our churches? We're going to have to start seeing them. I'm afraid we don't even see them. And we don't see them because we're not looking for them. In Town Creek, if you are going to see the people around you and you are going to begin sharing the gospel with people who don't know Jesus, you're going to have to become intentional. And you're going to have to intentionally wake up every single day. Remember, this is not just for people like me who do this full time. This is for every single believer, every single person who's a follower of Jesus. You're going to have to wake up every single day and say, God, today I'm going to be intentional to look for the people that are around me that need to know you. And then when I see them, I'm going to begin spending time with them. But you can't spend time with them if you don't see them. I, I remember when I was at Red's Branch, uh, you know, almost 20 years ago now. And uh, we, we, we just had, like, this was, our, this was our, our, our evangelism strategy. We just said, tell us who your lost friends are. We will go and see them. So me and one other guy from our church, a good friend of Clint's, who, uh, that he, he knows very well, just he and I started getting addresses. We would go to people's houses, knock on the door, and say, hey, you know, so-and-so told us to come to your house because they wanted us to come and talk to you about Jesus. Could we do that? Could we do that? I remember the first time I asked that question, y'all, I got, a, I got like, like blank stares back at me. Like, tell me who your lost friends are that don't know Jesus. We'll go and see them. And, and it was almost as if they didn't know anybody who didn't know Jesus. Listen, we all have people who are in our life that don't know Jesus. And I want to ask you, are you seeing them? Are you seeing them? Do you see them with your eyes? Do you see them with your heart? I, I tell our students all the time, I'm not really sure where, where mine is. I think it's in my car. Um, normally, I bring my phone in, right? I mean, we're so attached to our phones, I normally preach with it even right here in my pocket. And uh, I, I tell our students this all the time. When you are walking across campus, now when you're in BCM, that's fine. When you're in our building, that's fine. But when you're walking across campus, take your earbuds out of your ears and put your phone in your pocket because you can walk all the way across campus and not see one student that you need to be engaging with and uh, sharing about the good news about Jesus. So put your phone away because it is a distraction. So, sometimes what I've had to learn, even in New York, and what I've had to learn at USC, is I, I follow the same pattern. 
Um, and so, so, for instance, in New York, I would go to the same coffee shop at the same time on the same day, and I would bounce around to different ones, because why? The same worker who was going to be in that coffee shop was going to be in that coffee shop at the same time, on the same day of the week. The same, uh, the same patrons were going to be in that coffee shop. And so I would go intentionally to see the same people over and over and over again so that I could begin building relationships with them, to, be able, to, to, to then be able to say, hey, let's go for a hike this week, or, or why don't you come to my house? For you know, for, for, for this meal, like we're going to do this celebration, or our church is getting together, and so so it's so important for us to see the people who are around us. Town Creek, do you see the people around Aiken that don't know Jesus? By the way, they're all over the place. You're like they, they are. They're at your gas station. I, I'm so sad to say I, I'm so lazy now when it comes to getting gas. You know, it's so easy just to pay at the pump. But they're running the gas station. I, 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 I would, I would uh, just venture to guess how many South Asians probably are running the gas stations around Aiken County. I bet probably 80% of them. Maybe, maybe more than that. You, do you know what? Do you know something about those people who are running those gas, gas stations? They don't know Jesus. God has brought them here to our country from a country that has little to no access to the gospel in India to hear so that you might have an encounter with them. And can I just tell you this? If you will start going in and, and, and buy, I mean, man, can I just give you a permission to eat a Snicker bar, right? Eat a Snicker bar and drink you a Coca-Cola. Go into that gas station. When you get gas, go get a Snicker bar. For me, it's like one of the double ones. And uh, go get a Snicker bar. And I try to drink a Gatorade when I'm doing that, and so not make me feel so bad about eating that double Snicker bar. But go in and look them in the eye and say, thank you for being here. Thank you for serving me today. And just get to know them. By, by the way, in their culture, when you get to know them, when, when you do get to know them, you can say, hey, would you like to come to my house? And it is a backhand to them, it, from them to you, to say no to you. So there's an opportunity. I remember this hit me. Uh, when, we were, when we were living in a big town here in South Carolina called Kershaw, I was a pastor of Kershaw Second Baptist Church. Uh, we, we had one Asian family that lived in our town. No lie, they were the only Asian family that lived in our town. What did they do in our town? Can you guess? Why were they in our town? What did they do? They ran the Chinese restaurant in our town. Now, Kershaw is just like any other small town in South Carolina. There is a church on every, just about every street corner. No lie, in Kershaw, there is one block where there are two churches on the same block. The Presbyterian church is on one corner and First Baptist is on the other. So my wife and I started going in this uh, Chinese restaurant. I like Chinese food. I like just about any kind of fattening food for sure. And, and uh, so we just started going in this Chinese restaurant, and I saw them. I saw them. And I would go in there before, but I didn't really see them. And I started seeing them. And the Holy Spirit said, who's going to befriend this couple? Well, I started looking around going, well, somebody else can. Like, right, they can, they can do this. It's too hard. I, I couldn't do it. I tried and tried and tried and tried and tried. But I would go in, and I was the one who actually ate in the Chinese restaurant. Like, nobody ever eats in there, right? You always get it to go. And, uh, but I just said, God, I've gotta, I've gotta, I'm, I'll, I'll start doing this. I'll try my best. And, y'all, I tried and tried and tried to talk to the husband who ran the restaurant. He wouldn't give me anything back at all. And I just started praying, God, you've got to do this. 
you've called me to do this, and, and, but God, I can't do this. I've tried. I've done everything. Like, I can talk to the communion table, and it'll talk back to me just about. And I was like, God, Jack won't talk back to me. You've got to do this. And so one day, after going in there over and over and over and over again, uh, I called one night uh, after church on Sunday night, which is one of the times I would go. And, uh, and so I called, and the wife answered. And I told my wife, I was like, you're going with me tonight. May is there, and you're going to talk to her. Because, you know, it's just a little weird for me to talk to another woman, you know, out, out in public. And so, so I always tried to talk to the, talk, talk to the husband. And, 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 but I would be nice to the wife. But I said, hey, she's there. You're going with me. Let's go. We, so we hit the road, and we got up there uh, five minutes before our order was ready just so I could stand at the counter and talk. That night when I walked in, I'd been praying, God, you got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. I can't do this. I walked in that Chinese restaurant after going in there over and over and over and over again. And Jack, the owner, looked at me, no lie, and said, hey, Jamie, I didn't even know he knew my name. Hey, Jamie, I've been wondering, would you teach me to read English? I want to try to get my green card, and I want you to teach me to read English. And y'all, I, I like... I remember, I, I almost, like I had to fight back tears. I didn't want them to see me cry. You know, that he had act, like said something to me. <laughs> that would be a little weird. But I just remember thinking, God, I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And I didn't know what in the world would happen. And here Jack's asking me to help him to read English. Which in my mind went, hey, ja like I heard this, Jamie, will you, will you help me to become a follower of Jesus? Right, that's what I heard. So Jack and May got to be our friends. They would come to our house. We would go to their house. We got to be such good friends that they told us. This hardly ever happens anywhere in international, uh, with, with international people. But they said, hey, we don't like your hamburgers and hot dogs. <laughs> and, and I've learned that they don't like cheese. A lot of, a lot of Asian folks don't like cheese. I, I, I've recently learned that. And uh, so we got to be such good friends with them. They told us they didn't like our food. So when we said, hey, we don't like real Chinese food. Um, I, want, I want sesame chicken. Like I would, I would say that to Jack. You, you, you know what broke my heart, though? What, what broke my heart was when I asked Jack and May. They had been in America for 10 years when we first met them. I, I remember asking them in my living room. I said, Jack and May, I'm just curious. How many American homes have you been in since you've been living in America for 10 years? Yeah, I was hoping and praying that they would have given me a good answer. But do you, you know what the answer was? You tell me what the answer was. One. One. Whose house was that? Mine. You see what I'm saying here? Y'all, God has brought the world to us. He's put people all around us, and we don't even see them because we're not even looking. One day, we're going to stand before the Lord, and He's going to say, I, I saved you. And I left you there. What did you do with that? If we're going to really reach people outside the church, we're going to have to begin seeing them. And thirdly, and I'm, I'm going to be done, we're going to have to be broken. We're going to have to pray that God would make us broken over them. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion. That word compassion right there literally means that Jesus was moved in his gut when he saw the people because he was burdened and broken over them. So he tells us this, right? You know, the truth is, in America, that we don't have a harvest problem. The harvest is plentiful. We've got a laborer problem. Because only a few, you know, the stats say that 5% of 
of born-again believers have actually talked to another person in the hope of actually sharing the gospel. 5%. we got to start praying. Here's what Jesus says. You pray. You pray. How does he say? He says, you pray earnestly. That means with some passion. Pray passionately to the Lord that God would raise up laborers for the harvest, to join in the harvest. Our prayer is that. God's brought us some students this semester. Our BCM has grown um, from, about, uh, from about 25 to 30 when we first got there. To We had 97 students uh, this past Tuesday night. It's amazing. Like we, We're like, what in the world is God doing? And we're praising the Lord for that. Our ministry, my, my wife was saying last night, she said, Jamie, our ministry has so many guys in it. And uh, we have way more guys than we do have ladies. And that, I, I don't know about y'all, but like, I don't know if you know this or not, but that's not happening anywhere in Christendom. And, uh, and so we're praising the Lord for that. And uh, we do everything we do so that we can share the gospel. But we've been praying that God would give us students that we could train to go out. He has done so and is doing so. Um, in, in March, I ask that you guys would pray for us the second week of March. Um, is our spring break, and so this year we're actually not doing what we normally do for spring break. We're not doing a uh, we're not doing a missions trip. Um, I've been telling everybody to pray for us because our trip is the mission. Um, so what we're doing is we're taking a road trip and we're inviting international students to go along with us so that our American students, when we're driving to New Orleans and we're driving to Memphis and we're driving to Nashville and then we're driving back to Columbia so that we could just share the gospel and have gospel conversations in the van as we're riding back and forth. And so I would invite you guys to pray for, for us about that. And, and I'm a little nervous about it because some people look at me and they're like, you're not doing a missions trip? You know, what, what's the matter with you? And, but we're just trying different things and just saying, God, we want to do what we can do to, to share the gospel with people. So Jesus has asked us, pray, pray passionately, pray with earnest that God would send out laborers into his harvest. Now I want you to see this really quick, and I promise I'm going to be done. Like this is not preacher speak, I promise I'm going to be done. Um, here, here, here's, here's what happens, right? Jesus tells his disciples in verse 38, pray that the Lord would send out laborers into his harvest. And then guess what happens? In chapter 10, like the story continues. We stop in chapter 9 uh, because we see that big 10 there, right? And we are like, oh, this is something new. No, this is nothing new. This is a continuation of the same story. So Jesus says, you pray that God would send out laborers. And then it says this. It says, Jesus calls the 12 to himself. And then look at what he does. He names the 12 disciples. And then look at verse 5. I want you to see this. It says, these 12, Jesus did what? He sent them out. Y'all, there's no way you could pray and say, God, would you send out laborers without being a laborer? The same exact disciples that Jesus has just told in Matthew 9, 38, pray that God would send out laborers. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 5, he sends them out as laborers. The point is, is you and I need to pray. And we need to be praying that God, you would send out laborers. And then what's going to happen is even as we pray that prayer, God's going to cause you. He'll cause more of us to become laborers in this missions field. Now listen, there's no way I can stand up here this morning and invite you and talk to you about, about going out and telling people who don't know about Jesus, about him, and about the life that he brings without giving you an opportunity to also know this Jesus. Man, he will change your life. And I'm not talking about making you weird. Like, 
I might be weird. I don't know. I might be weird. I, I don't know. I, I hope not, but he will change your life. Now, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about making it more uh, uh, strict or, or anything. I'm talking about he will completely shape your life. And I promise you this, that God has better intentions for your life than you do. I wish I would have gotten serious about Jesus way earlier, way earlier. I, I, as a matter of fact, I've never ever talked to an older person uh, than I am right now who gave their life to Jesus later in life. I've never ever talked to one of them and says, man, I'm glad I waited, I'm glad I waited all that time. Every person I've ever talked to says, I wish I'd have done that sooner. Why? Well, because Jesus is the only source of life. He actually came to bring you life. To bring you life more abundantly. The devil is in the world, and Jesus says he has only come to steal and to kill and to destroy you. But he says, I've come that you could have life and have it more abundantly. You, know, you can stop looking for love in all the wrong places. And this morning, you can actually come to the one source that will never, ever run dry on you. That will ever not be enough for you. That will ever cause himself to actually be after something that's not good for you. Jesus loves you. And he proved his love by coming to the cross. To die on the cross so that you can be saved and find life through him. This morning we're going to sing a, a song, and it's called The Invitation. Like, we invite you to come and, 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 to, and to actually talk to somebody about, about following Jesus, and about trusting Him, about finding life through Him. And, and so I want to invite you to come. This morning we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing right here. And I want to invite you to come and talk to Pastor Clint or whoever's going to be at the front. And say, man, I, I, I want that life. I want that life. And I know that Jesus came to bring it to me. You messed up. Man, you're a sinner. I get it. Join the club of everybody else here. But I'm here to tell you, you can be forgiven. And every bit of that shame can be removed. Because Jesus died a shameful death so that you could have all the shame lifted from yourself. Isn't that good news? Let me pray for us. God, God would you cause your church to be serious? Which calls your church to, to do what it is that you called your church to do, and that's to, to go after and to be able to share the, the hope of the gospel with the people around us. I, I know in here this morning, I know somebody is probably here going, yep, yep, my sister just jumped into my mind. So, so, so God, would you even now cause them to be praying? Would you open up their hearts to be ready to receive? Yeah, my boss, he needs to know Jesus. God, would you help them to go and share? Would you help me to have boldness and passion to do that at USC? Would you lead us in Jesus' name?